how do you get asked to be in a program like Made in Chelsea? I guess it's a scene thing. Like we're from around Chelsea and, and that area, so like you know they'll ask the current guys, you know, who are you mates? Yeah, who's cool? Who's fun? Who's whatever? From the first episode we got on the show, we flew out to Buenos Aires actually. So we started on a away series. Sam was out in Australia traveling. I was coming from London, so we literally met there. Both terrified, never done TV. Like holy <laughs> shit, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, other side of the world. It was a big secret that we were going. Everyone knew that people were joining, but they didn't know it was me, us two. Ah, okay. Um, so we were out on the streets of, it was quite funny, on the streets of Argentina, both shitting ourselves about to go on national TV. We were like, well, they all wear makeup on TV. Oh, we, no, we've got to go and talk about We've that. got to go and get makeup. We've got to be looking <laughs> sharp. So there's me and him in like a Mac store in the middle of Argentina, not speaking any like Spanish to anyone. And they're like putting makeup on Harvey. Anyway, we get on the show and we've done our little makeup. We're in the bathroom together. And as soon as we walk on, Liv's like, are you two wearing fucking makeup? <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. Caught red-handed. Caught red-handed, yeah. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 40 million views. As reality TV stars turn craft beer entrepreneurs, Harvey Armstrong and Sam Holmes have made a splash on the brewing scene. Not wanting to miss a trick, they use their Made in Chelsea appearances to their advantage, putting their caffeinated lager prime time on national TV. From the first sip of their lager to the story of how they landed investment and distribution in some of the country's top bars and restaurants, they tell me about the challenges they face along the way and their vision for the future of craft beer. This is the eventful lives of Harvey Armstrong and Sam Holmes. Harvey, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Thank very much us. looking forward to this one. It's a different one, three yeah. in a podcast. Um, but let's roll all the way back. Where did you guys first meet each other? Should we tell the truth? <laughs> or, uh... uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. Yeah, we actually oh. met on a train. It was a guy on a train situation. Um, <laughs> but we, we've always had mutual friends. Um, and obviously with the, with the prevalence of social media, I just, he's, he had a very distinguished, distinguishable look back in the day. <laughs> kind of still but he had long shaggy poodle hair and like i've just seen him i'd seen him on photos before from like mutual mates and i i was at newcastle university but i did a course where i was working in london part-time for, for pwc and i was going back and forth um and he was on his way up to newcastle on a train i was coming back from london and i was walking my way down to the bar to grab a beer and uh he's sat there with a case of beers on his on his on his <laughs> on his lap and i go god I, think I know you from somewhere don't i and then uh, we cracked a beer open together, started chatting, had the night out there in Newcastle together. Then the next weekend, consecutive weekend, we met down at a club in London, uh, at Bodo Schloss. Yeah. And then the third consecutive weekend, we met at a house party in Oxford Brooks and just bumped into each other, getting a house party. And we're like, so we should become best friends. Meant to be, that's meant to be. Bonding over a crate of beers. Yeah. Tell me about the poodle hair. Oh God! I thought I was going down the sort of Harry Styles look, but it just did, it didn't, yeah. didn't go very well for me. But uh, yeah, I, then I uh, chopped it all off in lockdown and became a new man. Nice. And yeah. what year? What year did you guys meet? Roughly, twenty fifteen must have been. Must have been. Yeah, yeah, I graduated twenty seventeen, so it was a couple of years before that. Yeah, about twenty fifteen. Where did you graduate from? Newcastle. 
Nice. Zuni, yeah. Good party. Oh, mate. Yeah. Such a good time. Wow. Best four years. I bet. Then snap yeah. to reality in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. Reality yeah, yeah, kicks yeah. in. What about yourself, Sam? I'm a Loughborough boy, like you. Are you Loughborough, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, quality. So a lot of your nights I've got stuck into. Oh, yeah. amazing. What years? What year did you start finish there? 2016, I left. Was it? Yeah. So Echoes was a big, yeah. it was a big night out. I had Echoes for about five or six years throwing oh, student yeah. parties there every Wednesday. 2,000 students taking all the door money. And that was insane. Amazing. I think that was from 1998 to about 2006, I think I had it for. Wow. Yeah, the sports night. God, that was mega. Do you enjoy Loughborough? Loved it. Yeah, yeah I've made some amazing friends. Yeah. Um, Freddie, actually here, our videographer, is my best friend's little brother from, from uni. Um, so made some amazing friends and... I was much like you. I, I, I didn't really want to go to uni, but my dad was like, get up there and get a degree because it will help you get a job. I was very much in the party scene, yeah. um, organizing <laughs> nights. And I was promoting in London at the time. So I was coming back and forth from Loughborough, London, yeah. making making more money than you know yeah. my mates because I was just taking girls from my brother worked for l'oreal okay um so, so i had just had the pick of the bunch yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds tough mate I'd roll down tough that yeah. <laughs> straight straight into the hammersmith office yeah get all the girls straight to bodo's this club brilliant <laughs> take them out on a saturday brilliant. back up to uni on a sunday brilliant <laughs> love it um you always sat yeah. in the corner with that magnum jerobin yeah. of, of grey goose which is probably half walked down yeah, and i was like that's the man he's the man in the corner but you're like you're like ladies yeah you would it's like the kick of the pimp i was like fair that's quality so what did you what did you study at uni uh business management okay yeah worthwhile um ish ish no well, you're managing a business now just about right? yeah just about, yeah. <laughs> so tell me your journey lads on um from university what your journey was to get into the program made in mm. chelsea yeah oh that's a that's a story and a half that one <laughs> christ um it, it kind of started with leaving uni the day i left uni um we i was asked to go on with a mate um and i was i was doing pwc so i was working in accounting very much corporate structure um you know reality tv like taboo yeah. like, stay away um and i was just coming to the end of my qualification i had another year and a bit and another three exams to finish it so well so you had to when you finished uni you then had to go and do another qualification within pwc yeah no so i did my so i did a degree at uni but yeah. on, on the side of that in in conjunction i also did my qualification my aca which is like a sort of um accounting qualification okay um and that's kind of what gives you your um yeah, being a qualified accountant. So that was what I always did from when I was 18. I saw, I, I had an opportunity to do a course which was going to make me money while at uni and also fast track me through um, this quite tedious, long uh, accounting qualification. It's a five-year thing. I did it in sort of an, a year shorter Jeez. while at uni. So I just kind of used it to just get it done. What on earth were you thinking going to do an accounting course? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I was wasn't. that like parents saying, you know, your parents are accountants? All my family are actually, yeah, they're like lawyers, accountants. Um, uh, yeah, lawyers, accountants and insurance are all like kind of very corporate, like straight, yeah. straight edge guys. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a bit of influence from them. But and, and for me, it was like when I was 18, I was just always looking for like the, how to, you know, fast track myself everywhere and like do something a bit above the average. Like I didn't want to just go to uni, I wanted to go to uni and make money and yeah. get a job and fast track myself through this course. It was called like the flying start course. So yeah. I just took that opportunity at the time. I didn't even, the, the question in to get the course in the interview was what's an audit? Like that's 
what at the time I thought was a really tough question, but it's like the most basic thing is like, what well, you know, what is accounting basically? And I was like, right. Like to the point where you just didn't, I didn't know what I was signing up for massively, yeah. but I was just like, yeah, money, I can work part-time. I can get this job, you know, this qualification quicker, cool, let's do it. So I, I obviously invested in that, did that. Um, and I had a couple of years left to go when I left uni or like 18 months and I was like, no to Made in Chelsea, wasn't the right time. You said that you said no to Made in Chelsea. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get asked to be in a program like Made in Chelsea? It's a bit like the social scene, isn't it? It's just yeah. like you're, you know, someone who's on it currently, you might go out for nights with them. You might have some sort of relationship with one of them or like on or like off camera. Um, like, you know, my ex was on it. Some friends were on it, you know, we just kind of, it's, I guess it's a scene thing. Like we're from around Chelsea and, and that area. So like you kind of, it's like someone once removed yeah, and they go, oh, like they're always looking for sort of a new, like valuable characters to join the show and the way to join, you know, the way to find them is like, so, you know, they'll ask the current guys, you know, who are your mates? Yeah. Who's cool? Who's fun? Who's whatever? Yeah. Um, so your ex was on it. Was she the one who got you in? No, so quite the opposite. I got her in and she broke up with me to go on it. Did she? Um, and then I was like... Sort of, so you got her in to the show, then she broke up with you mm. so she could carry on the show. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't want to do it because I was... <laughs> Is that I, right? Yeah, so that's Liberties. kind of... That's <laughs> the beginning of the long story starts in that. Um, yeah. How did you feel about that? Oh, it was heartbreaking. You were, were yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I, I was bet. like, I just couldn't... It was a shot. It's like, wow. What year was okay. this? Uh, this was like just leaving uni, like 2017, 2018. And how old have you been then? Nine, uh, not 19, Christ, 21. 21, 22, okay. yeah. And you were with her for the whole year? Well. The whole year, uni career, yeah, yeah. it's four years. Um, so that was, move on swiftly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it now. <laughs> I'm sorry, over it. So. <laughs> you better get one of those prime time beers. No? <laughs> I would love to cut that. Um, so, yeah, so what, what's it What's it like to actually you get invited in to be on the show? You're on the show as well, Sam. Yeah, yeah. What was it like for you? How did you get into the show? So I was at school with most of the, you know, the main characters. Uh, Liv Bentley is a very old friend of mine. Yeah. She's been on the show for years. And I've just been knocking around Chelsea for 10 years. Like okay. I said, club promoting. So I was out with them all the time. Yeah. So it was a very easy route for me to be, oh, yeah, Sam's out all the time. He's a sociable guy. Like, let's, let's bring him in. Yeah. Um, me and him being good friends along alongside. Um, and then I was actually in Australia, um, went there for a bit. And he called me and was like, well, yeah, so, so I guess after the PwC and, yeah. and hanging up my boots with accounting yeah. is when Sam and I started to um, develop prime time. And yeah. we, we basically started as an idea in Ibiza. Um, All good ice. Yeah. Ibiza really <laughs> Always. What, yeah. time, what time in the morning was it? First uh, combo. Where the magic happens. <laughs> I, think, I think all all clocks had stopped working. Yeah. <laughs> Sunglasses were on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the concept, the sort of caffeine infused uh, concept, the seed was, was sort of started there and it was based off kind of second night on the trot. My mates were like, right, let's go. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. I was like, yeah. I'm knackered. Um, and one of them slid me a coffee, one of them slid me a beer. And I drank them both. I was like, oh, I'm actually, you know, perked up. I'm feeling like ready to go now. But like the, the coffee and the creamy coffee and mm. the fizzy like beer just didn't settle well in the stomach. So I was like, why is this not just together? Like mm. our lager is the most consumed alcoholic product in the world. And there are such huge popularity in espresso martinis, vodka, red bulls, coffee, and people have a coffee, then a beer just mm. to get themselves. So so let's just roll, let's just roll back a little bit here. You're in Ibiza with your mates, having a laugh. Second or third night on the trot, you're like, you know, I don't fancy going out tonight. Someone gave you a beer and a coffee. Separate. Separate. And then you both sat there and there's a business model here. This is great. This is great. It's perked me up. It's given me, it's, it's given me that little like pick me up I need and I'm ready to go. But the, just the combination itself 
in the mm. stomach didn't didn't sort of settle and it was just like why is this not combined and then we looked at you know this huge popularity in like those drinks i just mentioned espresso martinis bocca bulls jaeger bombs and that's all based yeah. off not taste but um sort of functionality like the, and combos yeah and and the fact that it gives you that bars and people mm. love that there's such a consumer tr like need for that on a night out did you both have the entrepreneurial spirit growing up as kids yeah i think yeah. so i mean i can't speak for you but you must have had something <laughs> i mean yeah killing it now but definitely it was uh my dad's you know a successful entrepreneur um had a big business you know two thousand employees and um about 20 cities around the world he had his business so what did he do it's called homes and margin now so he's packaging design so okay. you know most packages that you've seen he would have designed so kit kat wrapper flora mm. absolute vodka things like that he was um and that was his own company yeah yeah two thousand staff yeah and then he floated wow. it on the stock exchange which was um wow amazing what year was that that was like 1990s um do you know how much he got for it no i'd like Roughly. to know it must have a lot with two thousand staff he's put on the stock exchange. Yeah, it was it was mm. a, it was a good amount. Yeah, and he's he's an absolute machine. My dad's now seventy eight. Yeah, sits in his office from seven a.m. Still at it. So eight. He will not stop. Brilliant. My mum's like, "What's he doing up there?" And yeah. he's just creating new businesses now. He's having yeah. a crack at a, well, the a recruitment agency. Yeah. Um. So I've always had that sort of work ethic. Like yeah. I've seen what you put in the graphs. I can sit. You see what happens. Yeah. Um. And he's never been like handouts, handouts. He's always been like these kids need to. You know, Brilliant. graft to to get where they so are. So even though your dad was minted, he didn't do, he didn't give he wasn't hand me out. So he was like, go and uh, go and find your own way. I mean, no, my dad hasn't even given me any money to put into the business. It's all been done myself, and Excellent. I'm with Harvey. Yeah. So Good. I'm um, gonna have to work on that. Could have <laughs> I'm sure he could tune me yeah, a couple of hundred grand, things. couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him a bill for you. I'll cut the deal. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I mean. He just like no, go out and make your own journey. Like I'm not here to do that for you. And that's good. Um, yeah. So he's always like inspired me to to go out and, and push and. And then my mum was a BBC news presenter, so that's sort of maybe where I thought, oh, I'd love a crack at TV because um, yeah. she was did, she was doing that. So um, that's really um, my parents' background. Okay. And, and how long were you in the TV show before you come up with the idea of creating primetime? No, so I guess that's what, so we conceived primetime first, and the TV show was always a medium, a vehicle to use it as a promotional okay. tool to, to market primetime. Yeah. So that's kind of I guess it was primetime in Ibiza, yeah. was conception, and then I'd I'd quit my job at pwc and i started developing this this um formula and this recipe and this idea with sam and then six months in the opportunity to scale main chelsea again arose yeah due to a very long backstory but we were like right this could, this is now the opportunity to really make the most of it like we were never wanting to do tv and tv in its own right it's um it's a very powerful vehicle of yeah. using the right way yeah um so we were like from the from the first episode we got on the show we flew out to buenos aires actually so we started on away series Sam was out in Australia traveling. I was coming from London. So we literally met there, both terrified, never done TV. Like, holy <laughs> shit, what are we doing? Yeah. Other side of the world. Um, and like first first scene we did, we were like, what are you doing out in Argentina? And we we put in the contract, we were like, make sure, you know, we want to talk about the fact we're there for beer. We're there to do market research, meet yeah. some breweries, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We weren't. Um, we hadn't even come up with a name yet. We did have a concept. We had an idea <laughs> and we were, we were working hard on it. Um, but we were like, first episode, what are you guys doing? Ah, oh, we just uh, had a few important meetings and beer, beers and breweries and we were just like yeah, so, so we we're just sort of drip feeding in that brand awareness from from day one i guess yeah. and, and trying to use that as a platform it was a big secret that we were going so we had code names he was hollywood and i was san diego and that's what the producers were saying oh hollywood's landed san diego's here yeah now. yeah so we had to we got like isolated in this hotel for like four days before we started filming everyone knew that people were joining but they didn't know it was me us two ah, okay um, 
So we were out on the streets of, it's quite funny, on the streets of Argentina, both shitting ourselves about to go on national TV. We're like, oh, they all wear makeup on TV. Oh, we've no, got to go and talk about We've that. got to go and get makeup. We've got to be looking <laughs> sharp. So there's me and him in like a Mac store in the middle of Argentina, not speaking any like Spanish to anyone. And they're like putting makeup on Harvey. Anyway, we get on the show and we've done our little makeup. We're in the bathroom together putting up. Oh yeah, that's it. Get that out there. Get out there. And as soon as we walk on, Liv's like, are you two wearing fucking makeup? <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> Caught red-handed. Caught red-handed, yeah. So let's go back to the journey of, of prime time. You've come up with the idea. You're in Ibiza. What was the next steps for you? in terms of investment, in terms of creating a brand, in terms of going, what is out there? What's the competition? I want to know that journey. Um, so I guess it was it was assessing, is there a market there? And that was done through sort of looking at popularity of other caffeinated alcohol products um, and seeing, as I was saying, the, 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 the demand and, and um, popularity expressed martinis, vodka, bulls, Jaeger bombs. There's a few other alcoholic drinks on the market, Buckfast, um, Dragon Soup in the UK. These are hugely popular, mainly up north. Um, there was a huge growth market in the US at the time. Well, not at the time, but at the time me researching um, where it took off like the caffeinated alcohol market. There was a, a product called Four Loco, which was hugely popular with um, students. Um, and it was really highly caffeinated and really highly um, uh, ABV as well. So it, it, it sort of developed a, a bad rep for itself. Um, so, and it was also incredibly cheap. So it kind of really took off in the student market. But off the back of that popularity, there was a few caffeine. And what was that brand called? Four Loco. Four Loco, and they were based in the US. Mm. And how successful was that brand to make you go, I want to do my own brand in the UK? It was incredibly successful, yeah. It was, um, I don't I don't know it's, it's eventual exit or where it stopped shop because the basic caffeine-infused uh, caffeine alcohol out in the US got banned completely. Why? Um, because of this one product okay. being kind of like taking it, you know, step too far. And then there was a huge, there was a big trail of um, brand, uh, beer brands doing it like we are um, like, and gaining incredible success. Um, but then the whole market got just a blanket ban, um, which, you know, is not the case in the, in the UK or anywhere else in, in the world. Um, so we just we just saw it as a gap in the market. And, and it wasn't really it was a passion project. It was something I knew I needed. I, I drank beer start to finish and it makes you tired. It makes you lethargic. It's heavy yeah. um, and it's packed with carbs and calories. And that's kind of where the next step of releasing the kind of low calorie, low carb um, side of the business came mm. in because. You know, it was quite a prevalent trend um, you know, in the last couple of years. Consumers are getting, you know, gluten intolerance arising, yeah. veganism's rising, and people are looking for better for you choices. Yeah. Um, and there's just a bit of a stagnation in the beer industry. It's quite a traditional market and no one's innovating and bringing out, you know, low calorie, better for you products. So we yeah. like, there's definitely something to tap into there. What year did you come up with the idea? Uh, it would have been 20... 2018, 2018. 2018. Yeah, and what was your journey from that 2018 of going, right, what are the next steps? You haven't built a business before. No. Um, you're obviously going to be well connected in certain areas with being on TV, etc. What was your next steps of going, well, where's the brand name come from? Where's yeah. the branding going to be designed? What, what, tell me, talk me through that. So the brand, the, the branding took the most amount of time. Yeah. Um, so we, we then got put into a, a Made in Chelsea house in Surrey. This was in lockdown. So everything was shut down, but we got put in these two houses. It was like a Big Brother style. Yeah. And we were filming there for six weeks. And that's where really we sort of knuckled down because we were together. There was nothing else to do. And we just like started developing the design. And, you know, we, we went through multiple design agencies and like friends of friends that yeah. were designers and spent a, a small fortune on, on getting a design. But in the end, it was just a friend of mine, uh, Joe, who's... An amazing designer and snapped it together in like 
half an hour. It's crazy, yeah, isn't it? Because when you know, yeah. you know. When yeah, there's yeah. a designer design something, you know. someone could put a hundred things in front of you. Someone go, they could knock it up in half an hour. Someone might take three weeks. You go, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like margin on, on the cost we paid elsewhere. And um, the one thing we said in the de- in the design brief is whatever the logo is, we want it tattooed on our body. Oh, sorry. Um, whatever the logo is, we want it tattooed on our on ourselves. And you know, have you got have you got prime yeah, time so tattoos on there? Have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, lads. I've got it, I've got it in my in my drinking hand. And <laughs> yeah, it's cool. also so um, on TV they don't allow any branding, so you can just gently so do I just, that. I gently sort of talk like, like this. Like it. Like it. Like it. Yeah. What sort of investment did you put in initially into the brand? Um, Put about sixty k of my own savings to really bring it from from sort of concept to to life, um, and yeah, that's about it really. We, I, I, I've done everything very conservatively. I've kind of used my my social platform to, I guess, do a lot of contra service agreements. Be like, I'll promote, I'll you know, yeah. I'll post this if you give this for free, or um, yeah. you know, like with our our launch, even our launch party, we hired a VW, you know bus fan thing to promote and use that as and you know they get it free and yeah. i promote it back so kind of a lot that you can leverage in you that have way. to leverage everything mm-hmm. you possibly can when you when you're launching a new brand new yeah. business like so what is that so you sam did you put any money in yeah yeah i put as i put a chunk in as well but not as much as harvey How i just couldn't at the time about 20 20 so you're yeah. all in for 80 grand at the start yeah and have you found that the, that money hasn't gone very far no we like we, we were bootstrapped to start like you yeah. can't launch an alcohol business with that sort of money yeah. like that was enough to you know, come to you with a product that yeah. was drinkable and, and, and looked like something and, and sh- improved concept. We, we basically went out, stage one was, we've got a new disruptive product, we need to prove concept. Yeah. Um, and we've gone out, basically that was stage one. Did that, you know, we won awards for taste. We've shown that people repeat buy it, it tastes, you know, it sells um, and there's a market for it. And then it was like, right, like investment time now, let's let scale. Okay. Um, and that process took slightly longer than we would have liked just given um everything going on in the world well it was actually like we had we had an we had an offer on the table the first month for half a million um and we turned it down for what, what percent shares did they want in that uh well we never came to like a finalized thing because we didn't fully take it but it was probably going to be about 30 25 30 percent mark okay um what made your gut tell you that it wasn't right to take a million quid it was uh it was just don't marry the first girl you get into bed with sort of approach. We just wanted to explore what else was out there. It was like the first offer put in front of us. At the time, we didn't need it so, uh, you know, we, we weren't so precious to have it. We had a bit of cash and we were still kind of in that concept testing process. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, now there's still a bit more I want to do before. Cause I thought I, c- I can get a better valuation here if you give me a couple couple more months. Um, so it was kind of like- How do you value a business that hasn't sold that much just from a, a concept? I think, that, I think the value comes from the, the social media aspect and you know the tv presence that it's getting you know that's mm. for a brand to sit on a tv like tv show like made in chelsea for even like 10 seconds is like quarter of a million quid mm. so you know product placement for you guys has been unbelievable right yeah 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 did you have to pay made in chelsea to put product placement on in, on the screens no no so it's part of being a cast member it's something they you know they try to support and, and follow your journey you know follow your real life journey so that our launch was followed on it um it wasn't actually our, you know, our actual launch, but it was, a, you know, following the fact that we did a launch that that week. Um, but they're also very um, sort of regulated in, in how much they can show to yeah. camera. They, I think they can mention the brand name once yeah. and they can show the brand label once because of Ofcom regulation. So I was that we had the launch party and they, Sam was there and 
they kept turning the bottles around and I kept turning them back so the label was facing the camera. Yeah. And then when I wasn't looking, they were going like this and I was going like that. I was like, come on, just let me have it. Yeah. Where did the name Primetime come from? Um, so it came, Sam actually um, came up with it, but it, it was very much encapsulates just what we are as a brand and what the products do. And it was um, it was really based off prototyping the caffeine infused one. Um, and we kind of looked around, like we, you know, we, we got focus groups together and we just assessed how people reacted and people got more chatty, more smiley, more engaged, more kind of, um, you know, decibels rose in the room. And we were like, everyone's in their prime. This yeah. is a prime time. And um, we always said like, we're massively into our sports and, and social life. And I think there's no, there's no more, there's, there's no time you're more in the present than when you're sat at a pub, at a bar with your mates, having yeah. a few beers. You're not thinking about the past or the future. You're just there, you're in the, you're in the now. And that's kind of, you're in your prime. And we just wanted to encapsulate that as a brand. I mm. think the, the name also comes from, so it's funny because both products are quite representative of both of us. So the caffeine product was obviously developed first, but during lockdown, I went through a big um, body transformation. Um, I lived with my friend Charlie, who's a fitness influencer, so I couldn't get away from him for yeah. four months. And I trained my ass off and I got into absolutely amazing shape. And then lockdown started to ease and um, pubs were open outside and stuff. And my <laughs> mates are going, Sam, you've got to come out. And I went into lockdown at a machine, you know, yeah. I was out four days a week yeah. and then I came out and I didn't want to like machine. see a pub or see a bar because yeah. I thought, fuck, I'm just going to undo everything that yeah. I've done. So I called him, I was like, mate, I've got to, we've got to develop a product that I can drink. You know, I, I want to be able to go to the pub with my friends, enjoy myself, um, but not feel guilty and not be like on my fitness bar and go, bloody hell, five yeah. pints, that's you know, a couple thousand calories yeah. and I've done my whole week. Yeah. Um, so that's when we came up with the, you know, the low calorie stuff. And, and also the prime time is, you know, you're feeling good when you drink it. It's yeah. gluten free, it's vegan, it's low calorie. So, you know, I can go on a Tuesday night and have a few beers you know, with my mates and I know that it won't affect, you know, the total week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it suits my lifestyle. And, you know, everyone I've spoken to, I don't know why anyone would drink a full calorie, full carb lager if it tastes just as good, yeah. you know? So that's what we pride ourselves on is, you know, we're award-winning beer. So first and, and foremost. And what, what uh, percentage alcohol is it, are these beers? 4.2. So 4.2. It's still so. full strength beer. Okay. 95 calories in a can of bottle, yeah. yeah. Everyone seems to be doing the 95 calories thing this, over the last, I've noticed over the last couple of years, keeping it under, under 100 calories. Where did you first go to say, right, I need to go and find a brewery? Who did you who did you approach? We started developing it um, out in a brewery in Cyprus, actually. Um, and then we have another investor, um, sort of found co-founder who's based in Spain. Um who we use some of his contacts. He's been in distribution of alcohol for sort of 20 years. So we did a bit of testing and trialing in, in Spain at some breweries there. Um, and then we were like, well, this is a UK product. We, we you know we're UK boys, we're gonna drive this forward. Um, we really wanna keep everything in house and domestic. So we're now working with like UK breweries um, and it's on like a contract brewing model. So we, you know, we have brewing partners, they have the facilities, the experience in brewing, you know, more so than we do. Um, so yeah, sort of how the, okay. the partnership works. And what sort of volumes have you produced so far? Um, we are about to brew our sort of hundred thousandth liters, so about hundred thousand in the first nine months. Okay, and where's that stored? We have a fulfillment site, sort of third-party logistics site, um, and that will sort of fulfill all our orders online and sort of to trade customers. And then we have like a bit of storage near us down in London, just to mm. you know. And what's your what's your distribution like for this? Are you using a distribution company? To yeah. say right, and are you aiming at nightclubs? Are you aiming at bars? What are you? What's your target audience here? 
I think as, as a whole, our target audience is sort of health conscious fitness focus. So if we can tap into any demographic where they are, um, then that's key for us. We're, we want to be that brand that is, um, you know, if you're into any form of sport or, or sort of fitness, you, you drink prime time because that is the one that's going to taste great and it's going to, you know, give you those marginal gains, knock up those needless calories, needless carbs. Mm. Um, so I guess we're looking at sports clubs. We're looking at, um, uh, high-end, high-paced venues, mm. um, premium. We're, we're a premium brand, so we're really aiming for like the premium market space. Um, I think every time we think we've got our target market, changes again. Sussed, it, it yeah, changes. Like, we were up at Strawberries and Cream Festival in Cambridge Club, mm. um, where the average age was, you know, 50, yeah. and they had families there, and they were smashing back the prime times, and they loved mm. it. Mm. We sell in a place called uh, the Chelsea Arts Club, which mm. is a members club. Yeah, average age in there is probably seventy five. Yeah, and we're the best selling beer in there. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, and have you have you got a mentor at all to say, right, we're on the right journey here, guys. We're we're doing the right thing. We've got the right investment. We've got the right distribution to to actually take this to another level. We don't. We don't actually have that uh, in place. No, it's it's something we are now like looking to build out sort of our non exec board, and we're starting to have those conversations and try and get some experience. I think that's actually key to, for you yeah, guys yeah. right now is yeah. to find that mentor. Someone who's been there and got the t-shirt, someone who buys into your brand. Have you had any investment up to date? Yeah, so we closed our sort of seed round a couple months back now, um, which we, yeah. which we How much did you raise? We raised 400. And what shares did um, you given out for that? So we gave away 16% okay. um, for the financial investment. And then we yep. also... Um, our investors are also in the alcohol industry, so they yeah. come with you know wealth of knowledge. They have a team of sixty, seventy. Um, they're a shoot, they're kind of a high growth startup themselves in the whiskey space. So we also gave them an equity share for their operational support. Yeah. Um, you know, and aligning kind of not an acquisition per se or a merger, but you mm. know, just aligning our interests and synergizing as much as we could. Mm. Um, so yeah, and we want them to have a good share because yeah, if we can do anything that they're doing, we'll yeah. be very, yeah. we'll be very happy. I think getting four hundred <laughs> grand is a great start. I think, yeah. you need, I think you need more. Yeah, if we will, we will. We will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that we see sort of um, taking us for the next eight to 12 months, depending on a few variables. Yeah. We're looking at potentially investing in a bar and, and sort of vertically integrating that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it, would, it could be some big activations, but ultimately, yeah, there's definitely another fundraise in, mm. in the um, in the horizon for sure. Mm. Any more shareholders or just yourselves? You two plus your, your 16%? Uh, yeah, plus uh, the original uh, sort of third co-founder is more of a silent partner now. Um, plus we've got sort of a Gareth Locke. He's another guy on the show, yeah. um, close mate of mine um, and Sam's. And he's got a shareholding as well. Um, mm. As com He's kind of a commercial advisor. He's, he's, he's quite versed in um, business and startups, mainly in the fashion industry. Um, so he kind of oversees. But um, yeah, we, we are definitely looking for like a kind of I guess an industry tycoon, like someone that we can get right, like, you know, I guide would home us. in on that. I'd put all your energy and homing in that one person, mm. that yeah. one person who can come to the table and go, I can unlock a lot of doors here. Mm. I can take your brand to a next level. Mm -hmm. It may be the branding itself. He's lovely branded, but he may look at that and might want to tweak it. I think it looks fantastic. He might want to tweak the taste or she might want to tweak the taste. I think there's a lot more development to be done. Do you believe? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. I don't yeah. think any brand ever looks. And sit uh, still. The same as it, st as it started, yeah. you know. I think we Jay would slot in. So Jay Bradley is our investor. Um, and he's he's created an amazing business. It's called the Craft Irish Whiskey Company. Okay. Um, the Craft Irish Whiskey. Yeah. Okay. So they are selling bottles of whiskey for four million quid with a Fabergé egg, one-off Fabergé Celtic egg and a Fabergé watch in an amazing um, sort of presentation box. Which hold is, on a minute. Hold on a minute. Mm. Four million quid yeah. for yeah. a bottle of whiskey? Yeah. 
Who's going to buy that? That was a nice. Well, he's got, you know, he's got bazillionaires. Tycoons. <laughs> um, yeah, and there was only seven ever made, and he sold them all. So he sold them all. Yeah. So there's a two businesses. There's, there's one called Whiskey and Wealth Club, which is a cask investment business. Yeah. Which is selling uh, whiskey as an investment. Yeah. Obviously, it's the it's like the number one asset backed investment you can do at the moment. So, yeah. um, mate, we need to get him on the show. Yeah, he's British. He's Irish. He's Irish, is he? So you might have to translate. Um, yeah, mate. Where, where's he live? Out there, or is he, he lives in, in London? He's in Surrey. Yeah. Lives in Surrey. Yeah, their office is in Richmond. So he he's very much helping. How us. old is he, roughly? Forty. Okay. And he was skint three years ago. Well, he's not now. He's not now. That's for sure. <laughs> four miller, four miller bottle. He's doing private like, tastings with the Prince of Monaco last weekend. Like, yeah. it's insane. Um, and so they've started at the top and they're working their way down. So. Four million quid a bottle, 80 grand a bottle called the A, which has got like a skeleton that opens. Yeah. And then there's one called the Devil's Keep, which is 10 grand. And then one called the Tushkin, which is like three grand. And now they're doing one called the Don, which will be in every shop you, you've ever seen. I like that name. Um, the, the Don. The Don. Yeah. That would, for me, that would be the four million quidder. Yeah. <laughs> the Don. Well, you can pay four million for the Don. I'm sure you're happy with that. So, so on your journey, this really journey is quite an embryonic journey so far, right? Sam, you got in contact with me via, was it Insta? Yeah, well, Don Matcham, a good mate of mine from uni, oh. um, who runs Invades. That's has right. Has been on your podcast. I That's think, right. Another Loughborough boy. Yeah, yeah. That was a good episode, that, Don. Yeah, and we're doing stuff with him. Yeah, okay. Um, he's an amazing guy. So 2019, really the idea come about, 18, 19. You're building the brand. All of a sudden, what was lockdown like for you guys? Lockdown was a, it was a good good time to kind of consolidate, sit down, nail the branding, nail the name, nail everything. We just, we, we became perfectionists. We're like, yeah. we're not going to bring anything to market that we're not ready with. And, we, and it wasn't the right time to, yeah. so we weren't feeling pressured. And then a part of actually the thought behind primetime was we're going to launch as we come out of lockdown and everyone's back in their primetime. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like coming off the back of lockdown is when we were gearing up to like bring, yeah, to really launch it. So what sort of, what sort of turnover have you done so far in your business? We, have just topped about hundred thousand in the first nine months. Um, hundred thousand pound. Yeah. Well done. Which is, you know, it's it's modest, but what what it is, I guess, is off the back of like nothing, no money, no, no money. Listen, I hear you. Yeah. There's a not, there's too many people out there on Instagram talking things up too much. Year one businesses, you know, it it might take 80 percent of businesses don't make money. By the way. Yeah. You know, eighty percent of fail, eighty percent of startups fail. So there's an opportunity here. If you're turning over 100 grand, you've got to be super proud of that and look back and go, we've done 100 grand turnover. Mm. You know, and then next year you want to go that to 200, 300. All of a sudden a door open, it might drop to a mil. Mm. You know, but it's about making sure that all the right things are in place and you've got the right team around you in place. And that's what I'd be focusing on now is building out that structure of your team. Yeah, no, exactly that. I mean, we, we just closed our, our seed round. So we, as I was saying before, we were bootstrapped. We were working with nothing. We didn't pay each other anything. There was no money for marketing. There was no money to scale production. We were working on minimums. Good. And therefore, Good. we, and then we couldn't it's sell. It's real. Yeah. yeah, it was real. Yeah. We couldn't sell it quick enough. We couldn't, you know, hold enough stock to bring our cost down yeah. to get any sort of margin. So we we're just working off nothing. So only as of like three months is, is day one really for me. Yeah. Um, so now, are you saying that you saying that hundred grand was from what month to what month in what year? That was from sort of September twenty 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 one to twenty twenty one. Okay, so literally roughly you've been Our trading first, for yeah. twelve months. Just yeah. about. So you've been building the brand. Look, come in last twelve months when you've been trading. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And then we closed. Yeah, this round mm. three months ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So you raised four hundred grand on this yeah. round. Are you looking at another round again? You know what? I need to raise a mil next time. Or eight hundred. What is it? Probably the ballpark figure would be a mil. I think you yeah. could say it's all, all dependent. And so much will change in that process. But as you say, now we're using that four hundred grand. We've just 
Fred's our first hire. Fred. <laughs> Don't Fred. Yeah. Um, and we've just hired our ops manager and a sales guy. So we're just, as you're saying, we're building the team, building that structure yeah. and looking to scale. We can now, you know, we're now upping our, our volumes, bringing our costs down, scaling production um, mm. and turning it into something real. I've launched many businesses over the years and sold business and built business. Mm. Enjoy the chaos, lads. Oh, man. It is a lot of that. Yeah. Trust oh. me. Oh. The even the the now, when I'm launching new businesses, I still love the chaos. Dude. Yeah, because it's amazing. That's where the fun is. Does yeah. it ever get smooth sailing or not? It, it does get smooth sailing, of course. Yeah, yeah like with the Bournemouth Sevens Festival now running 15 years, but it was madness for the first four or five years. Now, when we launched Viper 10 Sports, where it was madness for the first four or five years, or even our new company at the moment, the Event Crowd, which mm. is our online events course, you know, getting all that together, having 40 of the leading industry experts coming in to, to do guest talks all pre-filmed from Glastonbury Festival, the Olympics, London Marathon, uh, Boardmasters, the list goes on, Wimbledon Tennis, London Fashion Week. The chaos is the fun yeah. and the journey. And the journey you're about to go on is going to be huge. It's going to take a long time for this to for this to really break into the market in terms of, not long time in terms of, I don't mean to think it's going to want to happen within a year mm -hmm. or two. It just doesn't. It will develop. You'll look back now from what you've done in the past year to where you are in a couple of years time. You look back and it won't be recognisable. Yeah. You know, but I would really emphasise getting your structure right. Yeah. And if you can get that structure right and the right people around you and the right guidance, I think you're definitely onto something. And, yeah. and you would advise definitely sort of an advisory, sort of non-exec role from someone you know, who can really guide 1,000%. 1,000%. Yeah. Especially in the market you are. A very good friend of mine owns Halewood International, Judy. She owns about 34, 35 different brands. Wow. I could do an introduction to you. She's a wonderful woman. She's the chairman of an extremely wealthy company. Um, they own Whitney Neal, they own Lambrine, they own, they own tons of brands that you wouldn't, which oh, you wouldn't amazing, know of. Yeah. Um, and it's still privately owned. There's not many of those companies still privately owned. No. Um, I could do a nice introduction to you there and just have a conversation, see what comes out the other end. You know, you never know. Yeah, yeah. You At the moment, we're, we're sort of, we've just closed our a Matthew Clark deal, so yeah. CNC Group. Well, Matthew uh, Clark will get all your distribution, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they're the biggest distributors in the UK. Yeah. And, you know, we never thought we'd get that in year one. Yeah. You know, we were knocking around sort of the London-based um, distributors to yeah. hopefully sort of pick up some momentum and then get the attention of someone like Matthew Clark. Yeah. But I've never personally gone for investment. I've always built everything from start business all on my own, the way it's gone. I understand why you're going for investment in the route you're going. But when you go to an investor like this, for people listening, what's the what's the first point of call? Which Do you identify which investor you want to go to? How do you value something at 400 grand when you haven't sold much? Uh, it was it was based on uh, I did a five year forecasted model and I kind of looked at um, comparative exits after five years what can be done in the industry. Mm. Um, a lot of the value that underpin the the valuation was our marketing reach. Um, you can put that into monetary terms. We've got you know that influencer reach. We've got a sort of extended influencer network of friends and and sort of colleagues that we can get to without having to pay the extortionate kind of influencer fees you can put that into a sort of monetary value mm. um the promotion promotional value on the show and doing a launch and getting a, you know a 15 second segment on like a, as an advert at, uh, on e4 at 9 p.m which mm. is when main chelsea mm. airs comes at a cost of 200 uh, 20 000 to 30 000 so mm. you extrapolate that over like a 50 minute segment that mm. we get doing a launch or mm. and all the other little like name drops and yeah. whatever you can put a bit of a you, know, you can put a rough figure on it um, so that was kind of a lot that uh, a lot of. So that's what you were bringing to the table, essentially, for an investor to come and say, "Listen, we're influencers. All our friends are made on Chelsea. We can do this, 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 and this." 
chuck some money in and let's get involved yeah. with us. And it was, you know, and try the product. We yeah. had something you know, to show and it was, and it's a great tasting product. We had won awards by then, I think, um, taste. Um, and, and, and then it's just such a disruptive new innovative product. Mm. Like you can sort of look at the, um, you know, the success of Brewdog and they were the kind of first movers in the craft space. Mm. I'd like to think we're the first movers in the functional beer space. In that kind of is that what it's called functional beer space yeah i mean okay. that's what we're terming it there's yeah. no one really doing it but okay. it's effectively you know we're looking to kind of just innovate further than just taste profile craft yeah. beer is just different to your heineken your peroni yeah. by taste but ours is different by every other functional like aspect it's low in calories low in carbs gluten-free it's yeah. vegan and it still tastes good yeah so we're so it's ticking a lot of boxes mm. Mm -hmm. just break down that 400 grand when you get 400 grand in your bank account you go oh happy days boys put yourself <laughs> a nice wager or are you looking at some work where's the marketing spend product placement creating more product let me know what was going let me know what was going on in your minds at the time um we looked at each other when it first landed and thought We've done it. Yeah. Like, yeah. We couldn't believe it. Better do some of this then. Um, <laughs> How old are you, lads? 27. 27 and 28. 28, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'd had a lot of nibbles regarding investment. Yeah. Um, Did you celebrate when you got 400 grand? Do you know, we spoke about this the other day, didn't we? We've not actually gone to the pub really. in that chairs. We've it's, just cracked on. It's and, been, yeah. And it's, we just want to grow as, as quickly as possible and mm. and build this amazing team. And, and that's really what the money is going for and, and getting out there as much as possible. Like, mm being able to do amazing things like Bournemouth Sevens or mm. other festivals, mm. you know, you need cash in the bank to be able to do these things yeah. and, and really market yourself properly. Um, would you like prime time to be at Bournemouth Sevens Festival? Yeah, we'd love it. We'd love it. Mm. I played there a few years. Have like, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, nice. I, yeah. I, well, I used to go to a school near here and then I've always been in the rugby sort of uh, scene okay. circuit. I didn't um, know that. Played for oddballs, actually. We, okay. Yeah, we were in the sort of league below the... Like what do you love? What do you love about Bournemouth Sevens? Just like rugby and drinking, like it's a perfect combination. It's great looking girls, good because <laughs> women like rugby guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're, all, we're all twat. Never any problems. It's always no, like everyone's it's having the best time. Ever. Twelve festival yeah, arenas, great. big top yeah. dancers, celebrities, TV crews. It just it just goes off. And yeah. we're coming to year sixteen, Dan. Is it coming to year sixteen? Amazing. Yeah. So what's been top of the list? start? Like, what was the first? The first look like? And oh god, if, if you see if you see a video of the first festival. Um, compared to now, it's night and day. Yeah. And but again, going back to that, I didn't take any investment. I, so how did we, you start? We run out. We run out of. I thought it was going to cost me a hundred grand to put on, and run out of money six months prior to the first festival, and it was like shit. What do we do? No banks were loaning. It was in the middle of the uh, world financial crisis, two thousand eight. So I had to turn oh. to my wife and say, "What can we do?" And the only option we had was remortgage our own family home. Christ. And anyone out there, do not remortgage your own family home on a party in a field, trust me. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I can tell the story now. But um, yeah, at that time, it brought a hell of a lot of pressure. Christ. Lots so, and lots of pressure. How many teams did it start with? Was it like one? It started with, uh, I was thinking 24 teams. It started with 96 teams. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just flew. It, we just hit a, a, a huge gap in the market to create a sport and music festival. Was it the first of its kind? Yeah. Yeah. Sport and music. And it was like, why? But, We've got rugby there, 916. Right, I don't want to make it a sausage fest. Right, what do we do? Right, netball. Yeah. Let's bring loads of netball teams in. And it went from there and it's just grown. So we've got rugby, netball, dodgeball, hockey, mm. volleyball. Was dodgeball now, named after? It was, in that, fact. Yeah. It was. It was actually, <laughs> God, my name's Dodge. I've watched uh, the program. Let's God. just try this dodgeball thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we've got another 90 teams that put another 100 grand on the bottom dodgeball's line. Dodgeball's good, good fun. You know, yeah. so 
you like I'm saying, the, the, the fun is in the chaos. It's working it all out, and that's what the journey you're go you're going on right now. Mm. What's it and, cost you to put on now? Yeah. Um, year one cost me three hundred grand. Year two cost me four hundred and fifty grand, and that's a lot of money back then. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of money now, lads. But four fifty back then in two thousand and nine was a, a, a shed load of money. Now you're looking at a couple of mil. Was it something wow. you were profitable off from the first one, or is it kind of one that you're willing to lose? Good question. Good oh, no. question. Because um, Melvin Ben, who is a big player uh, in the festival world, he owns Reading Festival in Leeds, and he's part of Live Nation and Festival Republic. And uh, what's his one out in uh, Ipswich? I can't think of the life of me. But anyway, he's a big player, and he came down. He saw what we were doing and was like, wow, I need to have a look at this. So he drove down from London. He, I had a chat with him. He's obviously in his late sixties or mid sixties, and he's the he's the king of festivals. And he's like, "Dodge, do not change a thing here." And that stuck with me for the last sixteen years. And all we've done is just tweaked and improved, tweaked and improved, and we've grown it from four thousand in year one to thirty thousand sellout festival for the last 10, 11 years. Is that is that now the cap and capacity given the grounds or can you no? I can go. I can go bigger cap. I don't want to. Yeah, is that no, 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 no. It's a lot of people in the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah everyone getting booze and having a laugh and fancy dress and everyone dancing, listening to music and meeting friends for life. And the amount of people who've gone to the festival and gone, I've met my wife there. I've got three kids because of your festival. Or I'm now married or whatever it may be. You know, it's a really good, really good feeling. Hmm. Um, but I don't know what the point was there. The point was about <laughs> chucking your own money into something versus. Uh, investment mm. um, and I've seen a lot of people celebrating investment these days without actually proving the business model yeah what's yeah. that feeling like because the business model isn't actually proved right yet no not yet no. but to get 400 grand in is an astronomical amount of money for a business model that's not proved so there must be something there that people are thinking this has got serious legs what do you think it is I, th I think it's a combination between um seeing a clear consumer need for products like this um you know there, there is a huge transition it's mainly in the food industry to better for you choices no one's doing it in the beer industry there there are people doing it in the alcohol industry but not mm. beer you've got like the the huge popularity in um heart seltzers out in the yeah, us right. which is basically the principle being it's a low calorie alternative yeah um bud light calls light um they're hugely popular in yeah. america and that's all based off the low calorie nature it's just not been done that much in the uk yeah um and Mark it was just, huge in australia yeah huge in australia and i think we just came we're, we're sort of tapping into it at the right time we have the right marketing platform to, to to expose it it's a lot of sort of you know that's attractive to an investor and the actual product um, itself what is the product itself like you can have lovely packaging you can have the influencer feel you can have the investment what actually is the product like it's, it's lovely like obviously you're gonna get a bite <laughs> no, of course but, but it, 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 we've vulnerable to taste we've been we've been every major beer on blind taste testings like we're talking like 100 landslides when we do focus groups so if i put 10 beers in front of someone now do you think they would pick this as the number one if you blindfolded them yeah, yeah. but if you put them against your pronies your heinekens your budweiser's your stellas yeah that's a bold bold statement yeah, 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 yeah. wow <laughs> we've done it time, I'm, time gonna, again. I'm gonna test it yeah, yeah, yeah i'm gonna so. do that i'm gonna blindfold my staff what push we get? <laughs> Hold on a minute. You're in for a good time. Yeah, all the shit is. <laughs> That'd be a good test to do, Dan. We'll send you. We'll send you down a, a, a decent sample. Yeah, do um, it. We've got. Our, we'll our film fresh, it. Well, yeah, we'll do it. And yeah. then we'll bang it out on Instagram and TikTok. Oh crap! Oh no! I'm not, yeah, no we have <laughs> the pressure's on, lads. No, we have to do it. That'd be great. Would you, if I put five beers, or I put ten beers in front of you, and, and you didn't know which beer it was, would you know which one your one was? I know which ours is. Yeah, definitely. It's 100%. Yeah. It's very hard to, it's funny, like the whole market, how it works. 
people like I'm a prony drinker, I'm a hiking drinker. Yeah. I, like I'd say 99% of people would not know what they're drinking if you put it in a, in a you know, arm-branded glass yeah. to them. It's just this, there's this like power Brand association. of, of, of yeah. marketing and the yeah. brainwash and power yeah. that these, um, you know, these behemoths have yeah. and the budgets they have behind it to be able to pull over the, you know, make people a hiking drinker. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. So when you do strip it all, all away and you just put it in clear glasses, yeah. you'll find that oh, actually, yeah. you know, people aren't the drinkers they thought they were. And how much, how much does it cost you per unit to make something like this, this bottle here, the caffeine, caffeine primetime lager, how much does that cost? About 80p, 85p. Plus fat, including fat? That's X fat. X fat. Okay. Um, it's the it's the market is is getting really pushed. Yeah, of um, course. Like the, I think like, anything I, I think anything for a quid. Are... If you just work on that quid, anything for a quid yeah. there, I think you're on the right lines, isn't mm -hmm. it? But as we're we're still at like very sort of small scale production compared to where you know where one yeah. beer company can be, and like our costs will you know the model works that you're only starting to see a really attractive business model when you're when you're scaling. Yeah, and you've got serious volume. Production. Have you gone to any big brewers, any big brands, and said we've got this? Can you can we have a meeting? We've not knocked on those yeah. doors yet. We haven't. Um, is it too early for that? Do you think? Do you think they want to see some 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 actual sort of the income coming in, some projections, and what you're feeling, or, or where you're going to be distributing it? I think they're. I think mm. they're watching us for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, I know for a fact that we've been sniffed at by James Watt, who owns Brewdog, um, due to mutual friends. Um, and you know, James Watt's got a seriously good business. Yeah, <laughs> he's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah. He's done all right. <laughs> I would yeah. be banging on his door and getting a meeting as soon as possible. Because he, it might take five minute conversation. He might lead you in a completely different direction just by a couple of words that he says. Yeah, it's it's tough on you. Like I again, probably being new to this entrepreneurial world, but you know, are they our competitors? Do we need to be wary of them? They're looking to. Mate, do, I don't they, think you're their competitors, mate. No, as in, but could they at any point go? Mark have me a great. We'll just squash them out of the market. Well, they could do that now. They could go. And, they can go and buy a bottle of that and say, well, let's make something like that. And they can make it better and better and taste better and better branding and better everything. Anyone can go and do that. And that's business. And that's the thing with entrepreneurs. People, yeah. you know, you don't want to go and reinvent the wheel. Go and find something that's working. Make it better. Tweak it. Put it. Package it up, and away you go. I wouldn't be too precious of it, but I'd want to go and get some advice. I'd want to be him. Him be the mentor. Why do? Would he not want to be an investor or come on board or just be a a good bloke to give me half an hour of your time? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 definitely something I I've looked at. Haven't yet. Sort of. I guess acted on, but looking at yeah. sort of partnering with the likes of you know Diageo Heineken, a, a big guy. Yeah. Um, but it is probably likely we're not at sort of we're at too early stage. Yeah. So um, you know they they definitely you know the market works um where those are the guys that will acquire you the Heinekens, AB um AB and Bevs mm. um when you get to kind of a decent sized stage mm. so four or five years in. Um, Breed the Town, mm. uh, Camden Hales, Meantime, these are kind of three big London craft breweries that sold out to the likes of these big guys for, yeah. you know, in the 80 to 120 million range. So that's yeah. kind of, again, where we base our exit value off um, and where we can then, you know, derive a sort of today's value. So uh, these are all fluffy numbers because you're, you know, we're talking 100 million, 80 million, da, da, da. But actually, if we've got real, how many years have they been trading for? Four, four, four and a half. Brewdog, how long have they been trading for? Brewdog's been around since 10, 2010, 2011, I think. So they've got a good, so they're at they've about, got a good 11 years under their belt. Yeah, yeah. they're at plus two billion valuation now. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Beaver Town, I don't want to quote facts, but it was about four, four or five years when they sold 49% to Heineken. Yeah. For, 40, for 50 million, I think it was. Um, Camden Hells were going for about five to six, five to seven years, sold for 85 million. 
So before, have you have you gone into detail to actually say, right, they sold out for that, but how much were they turning over? How yeah, much yeah, the, yeah. How much they the were, doing, were what their EBITDA was? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, they were doing the average between those three was about seven seven point eight um, times revenue at the time. Yeah, and what exit. revenue were they doing? Do you know? Like nine million, one of them, seventeen million, one of them. This is literally just me. Sorry, it's cool. Um, That's Brewdog. And eight. <laughs> Answer it. James, you Answer it. <laughs> Do you want to invest? <laughs> um, yeah, it's sort of just shy of, yeah, sort of around the 10 million mark revenues. Mm. And um, where do you see, you said you've done a five year forecast. Tell me your five year forecast, Sam. Juicy. Well, we, in terms of our plan, we want to, we're at the right at the early stages of our Matthew Clark contract, you know. I've been meeting the account managers over the last month. Um, so we're at the very early stages of that. We want to roll out throughout the whole of the UK first. Um, then we want to get into Europe and into the slopes. Mm. Um, you know, the caffeinated lager will be huge out there in the ski ski resorts. And we're having talks already with um, the big boys over in Australia. Um, Made in Chelsea is huge over in Australia. And your, and your forecast, let's go back to your forecast. What were you forecasting year one, year two, and year three? So Turnover. Year one post investment which as i was saying is probably day one for us because um we were forecasting about six to seven hundred k yeah um and then it just it cut it's quite sort of exponential growth path because it's it's kind of like a snowball effect in the industry whereby if you've got 10 listings selling say 100 liters of beer per listing Mm. at day one but then by year two you've got 100 listings selling Mm. 100 liters of beer because no, you're I to- in more I listings to- and I you're totally doing more volume. That. So suddenly, bang, you're, yeah. you've four-folded. So your- 600 year one, what, year two, year three? I think it was about three million. In year two? Yeah, two, two and a half, three million, um, maybe then six, maybe then about 13, 14, okay. with an exit about 15, 17 million after five to six years. There's a lot, a lot of graph to go in here. I could send you my model if you want <laughs> to look at it. There's a lot of graph to go in here, but you know what? There's a lot of graph there is. I really got. like you two, and I think you've got a brilliant brand. I think you're going in the right direction. You've got everything in everything in place in terms of the sort of social media side and, and some nice investment. I'd go and find that one person. You up for it? That one. That one. <laughs> is it me? Is it? <laughs> I'd go and find that one person to be a mentor. Yeah. Or someone who can who can propel this quicker. Um, but you got you. You're a fantastic pair here. I think you've done really, really well to get it where it is today. Especially you've had two years in that pandemic, which has been tough. Now you come out the other side. You've got your first hundred grand under your belt, and you should be celebrating that. You know, there's too many people in businesses at your age who aren't celebrating these wins. These wins are really important. Mm. You know, you only kind of look back in ten years' time and look at these wins, but actually enjoy the little wins as they're going along. But where can people find uh, Prime Time on social media? Uh, so our tag is at Prime Time Lager. Um, and you can get us at www.primetimelago.com. Um, yeah, that's about it. And London bars, look around. You can see our stockers list online. Lovely. And any investors out there, how can they get hold of you personally? Drop us a note on LinkedIn or, or, or career, careers at primetimelago.com. What about your Instagram channel? Uh, mine is Harvey Armstrong underscore UK. So you reach out there, please yeah. do. And mine is Holmes underscore UK. Lovely. Oh, yeah, because we came up with that both when we, when we joined the show. We were like, we have to change it to like underscore UK so people know who we are. And quickly, just, on, just, just quickly, have you, since being on a Made in Chelsea, have you had any trolls? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me included. I'm the, really? Yeah, it happens, of course. Yeah, there's all sorts of... Give um, me an example. Well, you get, you'll get people coming to your DMs all the time, like slating you for a story you posted or like, oh, mate, come on, like, you know, something you did on the show, people get really invested yeah. um, and they'll 
you know, they'll comment on your photos when, when the show airs, which bear in mind is normally like two, three months after it's happened in real oh, life. Yeah, so okay. you're getting these people going, why did you do that? Or yeah. you came across like such a Yeah, We've actually physically been... Like, oh, that was three months ago, but oh. thanks, for your, thanks for your opinion. Remember the Thursday <laughs> dating app one? Cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Mark Earl, so we did an event with Thursday dating app. Yeah. And we were on South Bank. And we had our primetime taxi there and we were serving beers and he was standing in like the hatchway. And this girl took it upon herself to come right round and scream in his face, like, oh, no. why have you done that? And they're so invested in in it yeah. um, that they think they have the right to come up and scream yeah. in someone's face. And How do you deal with a troll for someone like that yourself? So I like to reply a really stupid thing back to them. I kind of like to poke the bear slightly, um, but I've been advised not to do that anymore. Um, I think you just got to take it so lightheartedly. You got to think, you know, it's normally their insecurities projecting on you, and like, it's, it's, to take it to heart, it's just it's not it's not a good use of your time. Um, like, just you know, I always focus what I care about going through the show is what my mates and what my family think, and if they're kind of telling me something, then I'll take it on board and I'll be upset and I'll react to it. But if it's some troll, it's just like, what's yeah. the point? And your advice to any listeners out there dealing with trolls? If it does really affect you, block, like turn your comments off. Like you can block, there's certain like things you can put in place to block, you know, messages coming in from people that don't follow you or you don't follow those sort of things. Just outside, out of mind. Um, but otherwise just don't, don't rise to it. Let's, you know, take advice and opinions from your real mates and mm. yeah, fuck everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quality. Amen. Amen. Um, fantastic brand, lads. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. We enjoyed chatting to both of you. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Good man, Sam. Good man, Harvey. Brilliant. Thank you so Cheers much boys. for having us. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Cheers, lads.